0: thing i try to share the most when talking about parkour to non-parkour practitioners or people who are just getting into it is that the like like what you're doing exactly doesn't matter right it's kind of the mm. intention of point. of your practice and i think i've had this in my mind since i started was like it doesn't matter what you do doesn't matter how far you jump or how big whatever your movement is but it's like the intention behind your practice okay uh what are you what are you pushing yourself towards?
1: Hello, I'm Craig Constantine. Welcome to the Movers Mindset Podcast, where I talk with movement enthusiasts to learn who they are, what they do, and why they do it. This is episode number 102 with Mike Arroyo, coaching, world chase tag, and community. Playing tag on national television was never something Mike Arroyo imagined when he started training parkour. He discusses his path in parkour and the opportunities he's gained from it. Mike shares his experiences with World Chase Tag and his thoughts on competition. He explains his personal definition of parkour, sharing it with others, and his thoughts on how the community has changed. Mike Arroyo is an athlete and head coach with the Movement Creative. He has trained parkour in New York City for over a decade and coached nearly as long. Mike often travels for parkour and recently competed in World Chase Tag's first USA-based event. For more information, go to moversmindset.com slash 102. Thanks for listening. Welcome, Mike. It's a pleasure to get a chance to be outside. Uh, we're in an undisclosed location in Brooklyn. And I'm super excited to talk to you for a bunch of reasons. First of all, I'm excited to talk to you because it is glorious outside. And I think the last time that I saw you was at the parkour gym in the place in the state where I live. And I watched you do, and I've actually, I went and looked it up on Instagram because it just makes me go that no. You did a lache for those not in the into the lingo, that's when you're swinging on a bar with your hands. Laché means let go in French. So you're swinging on a bar. Most people I've lost already. No, not a thing. Then (laughs) let go and go somewhere intentional, not just let go and land on your head in the hospital. So you did a thing where you grabbed the bar with two hands, swung back and forth. So far, so good. But you got the swing going so far that the back part of the swing was up into the upper part of the bars. You had to bend your legs to make a space for a bar that was in the way. Maximum swing. And then when you let go, most people would think you swing and you go straight. No, Mike let go and went like 45 degrees to the right (laughs) diagonally and landed on, it's like a little object- it was pretty steady, so it wasn't going to move just yeah. a foot off the floor. But it's the size of smaller than a, like a phone book, smaller than a textbook. Now, to the like reality, I saw all the ones where you didn't make it. I saw and I love watching process. Yeah. So I watched you do the process, and when you did the first one, and we called it a bounce off, you did like that, and I was like, oh man. That he's gonna do that and then you did it like, and, and it was like whack and when you stuck it I, I was thinking humans are awesome <laughs> like that to me is like the quintessential mix of ape and homo sapiens curiosity we love to make things we want to explore and I am gonna ask a question so my question is because I wanted to make sure that you remembered the thing I thought that was a really impressive last And I'm wondering, you're, I I know how old you're, but you're like 20-something. What would the you from, say, elementary school, like as far back as you can remember, what would the you from elementary school have thought, said, screamed, written, whatever, seeing like, that's me doing that? Oof. Oof.
0: Um, well, first, thank you. Uh, I do remember the last day you're talking about. Did it. I set
1: the bar too high? No,
0: no. That's a, it's a good question. I don't know. I'd probably freak out big time. Like, first starting, like, I will admit, the reason I started training was because the initial impression was parkour looks really cool. Mm. That looks like all the stuff that like comics, video games, superheroes, whatever I was into growing up. That's it. And these people are like really doing it. <laughs> And so, yeah, I think young me seeing that would, uh, there'd probably be some disbelief there that mm-hmm. that was actually me. Uh, but also as a kid, I ran around, jumped, did cartwheels and handstands just on my own as a pretty jumpy, jumpy kid.
1: And I'm guessing at the age that you're imagining, when you answer that question, you probably didn't know about parkour in that, like that, that could be, uh language words fail, that parkour could be that. Like, a lot of people have an idea of what it could be. Yeah. And maybe your idea as a kid, that's what I'm fishing for, but what was your idea as a kid? Was it thus the superhero, and would that have blown your mind open because it was something different, or just because it was, like, oh, so it's huge, right? Yeah, thinking back, I was thinking, like,
0: under 10 years old is what mm. I was first imagining there. If I were to imagine, like, when I, when I first started training, which was, like, 14, I think even then I'd be pretty astounded. I feel like back then, laches were something you did from like hands on the bar, you let go and you grab another bar. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, lache of precision where you land on two feet wasn't as much of a thing and definitely not at that sort of distance. I think with parkour gyms, that movement has been
1: explored way more. Way more. Yeah. I've seen, I'm not, I don't mean to belittle what you did. But I've seen people do amazing things similar to that where you're just like, you know, I know a lot about physics and momentum, and I hope that really goes the way you go. Oh, whew, we made it. You know, <laughs> I, I've seen people, like, drop through little spaces, and I, I often walk away going, man, humans are amazing. Yeah. Like, like, beyond. But it's not a parkour podcast. People have pigeonholed me to think that it is. It's not. I'm super interested in movement in general. And I don't mean to get all, like, from a philosophical point of view, but everybody moves. Like my definition of dead is you come back to room temperature and you're not moving. Okay, okay. so so we're just setting aside the room temperature part. It's movement that is absolutely it's it's. I hate to say it's a vitamin, you know, or it's like f- nourishment, but it is like mm-hmm. you you have to move. If you don't move, well, what would happen to you if I if I said, all right, you're quarantined, and you have to lay in this bed for, I don't know, how how long could you do that before you? lost your marbles? Um, I mean, there's a few
0: shows I want to catch up on, so maybe for a while. Um, <laughs>
1: well played. Netflix for the win. <laughs> yeah, I,
0: No, not, not long. And I think when I first started training, I was in this mindset of like, everyone needs to do parkour because this is like the thing. Mm. And I tried to pressure on my friends to do it. Now, as I'm older, it's like everyone needs to find the thing that moves them to move. Uh, Whether that be parkour or whatever other sport, I think Mm. as long as you're moving and connecting with people and your environment and stuff, then you're on the right path.
1: Uh, Once more for those in the back. Uh, (laughs) I think that movement... So my brain is going... I I read an article about uh, singing, and I, I may have this wrong, but I believe that humans are, like, the only species that, inten- like, anywhere on the planet, that intentionally, like, is on the ground and makes noise. Like, mo- like birds will make noise in the ground, but anything weird, they're in the tree. You know, and, like, monkeys live in the trees. So, like and, I mean, even, like, herd animals, they're generally pretty quiet, unless mm-hmm. there's, you know, the males looking for the females or something going on. Like, generally, they're quiet, because, like, when you make noise, the predators go, hmm, noise. Mm-hmm. And there's something about we are drawn, I think, to make noise and to move, because, like, we light a fire, and then we start singing and then we start dancing and all of a sudden it's a conga line. Maybe not a conga line, but like, like that, that happens, right? Like people, uh, people don't sit still. And if people are listening going, well, oh, I sit still all the time. Like maybe that's n- not the fact that you're sitting still, I don't think is actually the problem. I think it's a symptom. There's something about your life that you have changed to, no, I like sitting at my desk for seven hours, punching, you know, keys or surfing Facebook or whatever you're doing on your computer. Um, so I know you've got a, you've got, I was gonna say a pretty extensive, you've got an extensive, um, coaching experience. And I'm wondering how far you got through your coaching experience. I've looked at some of the, you know, the internet never forgets. Oh yeah. So I've looked at some of the things that you had put out there from like a coaching point of view. Um, and they don't, they, like, it seems you've, I was going to say mature, but I don't want to imply that you were immature, but you've changed in Mm -hmm. your thinking. And I'm wondering, like, looking back on your first attempts to share this thing that you fell in love with, are there things that you would have done differently? You know, if you could go back and convince yourself to do something differently?
0: Probably. Yeah. I'm not sure if I can think of a specific thing, but I think just the overall approach to if someone comes to a parkour class, I think maybe back in the day, I was thinking, how am I going to make this person fall in love with this practice that I so deeply love? That's Um, a good point. And I think now it's, you know, it's not for everyone. It doesn't need to be. The people I coach, the kids I coach adults or, or kids or whoever, um, I don't think the goal is to make them love it as much as I do. I think that'll be their, their I'm own little say good journey. Luck. Yeah. Like
1: most people don't love it as much as you love it.
0: Yeah, I think that's the other thing too, is recognizing how much of a center point it's become in my life. Not everyone's gonna be like, wow, this movement practice is gonna be the center of everything for me. Um but if it can become, you know, kind of towards their center, I think that's important. Whether it be parkour as I practice it or like it works for them as like a way to work out and a fun way to exercise mm. and move a little bit more than because so much of society, you know, the way it it, it's structured, move. it just it doesn't lend itself to movement. Um, <laughs> depending, especially depending so on the visions of the where, subway where I'm you like. are, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but even the subway, at least on the subway, you you stand, you walk in and out of it, up and down stairs. Where outside of the a metropolitan area, you know, you maybe walk to your car and then from your car yeah. you walk to your cubicle. And then you walk back to your car <laughs> yeah. uh, and then you're home and then you're, and then you're <laughs> chilling and you're, you know, doing whatever life stuff you have to do. But uh, it's maybe difficult for some people to feel like they can fit movement. And, uh, of course, there's probably a whole conversation about how people feel about having to go to a gym to exercise to fit whatever society standards there are.
1: Yeah. And there's, yes, yeah, society standards. Good way to put it, because there's, there's always going to be timely issues Um, so we're still in the end of the pandemic and I I say, end in a hopeful sense, like a hopefully, but like you, you have those kinds of situations. You can have problems with, you know, transportation and so you can't train or oil problem and gas prices go through and food becomes like, there's always something, there's always going to be some external challenge. Um, and that could be society or, you know, I mean, I, I didn't start really moving like well I was going to say like I moved now, and then I had a little moment of like oh, <laughs> depression. but I didn't start moving like I've been moving recently um until I was the forty so i had i i got the like I got to experience like what happens when you when you change from the sedentary or societal impo- imposed uh, restrictions so i'm I'm wondering about... I'm super interested in how people can make change in their own life. And decades ago, I would have loved to also tell you what change to make. But for now, I'm just like, yeah, identify something you want to change and try that. And I'm thinking, are there lessons you've learned about making change in your own life? And, th- and that could have been like, you know, one transition would be like transition from like kind of coaching to like really coaching. Mm-hmm. Or transitioning from... Um, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to put ideas in your head, but I'm just wondering if there's anything you think of when you look back at your, you know, Mike's life story, are there spots where you're like, Oh, that was a pretty big change. And then how did you do that? Or what was the moment like when you decided you wanted to make that change?
0: Hmm. I think maybe the biggest change most recently would be switching from an old job I had. I mean, it's still coaching and the the job is similar, but I think, uh, it was, it felt like a very big life choice at the time was switching from the gym i used to work at and uh switching over to movement creative mm-hmm. now i think i mean it was a process i was kind of at the job and very unhappy for a while but it was a pretty good uh employment situation for me and uh the years leading up to the the bad times uh we're quite we're quite good we're quite good <laughs> The
1: um, sunk cost fallacy, right? <laughs> I've been here so long; I can't quit now,
0: right? And then it was a you know, it was a, a small gym that was growing, but at the time, it did feel like everyone was a uh, you know, a family, as uh, the bosses like to say. But yeah, I don't know. Approaching that change, I it felt scary, as as much most change does sometimes. But uh, I think for that specific one, I just kind of thought like. Um, is this change going to make me happier? And, uh, you know, what what parts of the current situation am I happy about? What's, are I not happy, what am I not happy about? And then uh, switching over, what do I think how those things would change? Hmm. And uh, so it was a conversation of, like, what's important to me? What might be important to me a few years from now? And, you know, you only have so much time, so you got to maybe choose the path a little bit more. I don't know.
1: So maybe that visualizing, if I go this way, Probably like this, visualizing probably like that. So that maybe I'm I'm asking, not putting words in your head, but like visualizing may have been a key piece of
0: Yeah, definitely like thinking, all right, if I made this switch, what what could the next couple years look like? Mm -hmm. Um and then also my position at the old gym was what's changing. So thinking about how is this gonna continue to change and is that what I want? Is that what's gonna make me happy? Uh, and in what ways may or may not that make me happy, like mm. financially, socially, uh, life goals, situation, all that stuff. So, but I think with, with that type of change, it's something like you can visualize and think about, but uh, you you don't actually know what will happen until you make the change. Like uh, I made the change um, 2018. So I had like a year of movement creative and then it was a pandemic. So. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you visualize know, that, did yeah, you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which, which actually ended up working out very, very well. All of our programming's outdoors. So we were able to return to work pretty quickly. And uh, unfortunately, the gym I was working at has unfortunately closed due to, due to COVID really? and some other issues. But So it is a bit of like looking back, I'm like, whew, made the, a good call for myself there. And uh, yeah, so far, so good on, on this change. But I think with that sort of change like uh I don't think anything is going to be permanently satisfying I think as I continue on I'll have to continue to think about what changes I
1: want to make so many threads to pull on <laughs> I and uh, sometimes I'm I'm afraid I make people on not you people listening the people sitting across the table I make them nervous because I get like this look on my face like I am I'm about to jump or something <laughs> like no I'm just there's so many things I want to talk about One thought, random, you can grab any one of these if you want, or I can come up with more. (laughs) One thought I had was the best course of action is to get to a place where you have some choices. It's like one thought I had while you were describing what you were, as you were sketching that out, because Mm -hmm. then, oh, and then pandemic. Yeah. And it's like, well, if you had been at... And I'm not poo-pooing the gym. If you had been at the gym, you probably would have Zippo say in whether or not they stayed open because you can't control people coming to the gym. Or in the state closed, it's like, um, no control. Whereas the choice that you made was to one of more freedom or more, uh, maybe even more, just more responsibility because that means you'd have more freedom to go with it. Um, so that's one thing that jumped to mind was that, um, I don't know if that, if you, th- you probably did, I don't know if you had you made that? One. Seven, one question, 17 parts. Part one, do you agree with what I just yammered on about? Part two, had you noticed it before I just said it? <laughs> um,
0: hmm. Rephrase it one more time for me.
1: Um, so while you were describing the change, I had the idea that ooh, what you did was move from a situation of less control to more control. Yes. And that isn't something that you specifically said when you were talking about it. And then I said, my question in two parts is, part one, do you agree with what I'm saying, my summary, my analysis? And then the second part is, had you ever thought of that before I just said it right now? Um, So, yes,
0: definitely. Uh, Not to dig into the weeds of of what happened with the gym, but basically I was almost getting promoted in a way. Um, But by stepping into this other role, it meant I was further removed from like a hands-on position of the parkour program. We did parkour, rock climbing, and skateboarding. So they wanted me in a position where I was kind of seeing or, or like overseeing all the programs, which sounds really exciting and was really awesome. But I was at a position where I was like, I don't really... I don't want to say I don't care about rock climbing and skateboarding. but It's they not are, your
1: passion, right?
0: It's not my passion. Yeah, out of all three, I would I want to be hands-on. And I tried to communicate that. And it wasn't what they could offer me at the time.
1: Well, they have their own. They got a need. They got a thing. You look like you fit in this.
0: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, so speaking with uh, Jesse, which is an old-time friend, and uh, I'd worked with the Movement Creative beforehand, we talked about what they could... You know, offer me as a position that was similar to what I had going on. And then also, it definitely was a position of control. Jesse, as you know, who runs the Movement Creative, he wants to offer a platform where mostly we offer coaching, but are there other ways that people can carve out kind of their own place for, for parkour and trying to make some sort of living off of it? You know? So while I am a, the head coach of the company and most of my job is coaching, there is room for me to say, like, oh, I want to set up uh, this type of event. And that will, you know, I will be given the space for that, uh, which is exciting for sure.
1: Podcast is brought to you by coffee and dogs. No coffee today, but there is a dog. Yeah, Yeah, I think, sorry, I'm really good at maintaining multiple trains of thought. And sometimes I say things like that sound like I'm, you know, yeah, whatever, Mike. (laughs) No, I think that's a very good observation, um, that you're noticing, uh, yes this looks like a great opportunity on paper but it's not really making me get excited and that's a really important because guess who has to get up with you know Mike every morning Mike has to get up with Mike every morning and decide you know do I want to go and put the fire out or do I want to go and teach what about on on one hand I want to talk about talk about chase tag but I kind of feel like there's better triples afoot um what what about Chase Tag? Okay, maybe we should unpack that briefly. Um, in case you're going, wait, you guys keep saying World Chase Tag like it's an actual sport. Oh, yes, it is. They they being the people who build the the event. Uh, was that the course built by? The, uh,
0: the course we played on was built by Mark Turok. That's what I thought. Yes. Mark Turok built. Mm-hmm. I, I'm
1: going to name drop and get it wrong. Um, so they, they hire the the people who produce the show it's a tv show people who produce the show hire professionals to build it's basically a park or a playground with like platforms and bars and and i look at it and all i see is all the places where i would hit my head and kill myself but like it's a space and it has a boundary and they play variations of two-person tag with time limits and tag is fun like just well, I've, I've played tag with some people that it wasn't fun to play. They were like, and go, I'm tagged. What? You know, like <laughs> it's like, where do he come from? You know, if they're coming at you faster than the speed of light, you yeah. don't see them before they get there. Yeah. <laughs> so they have a professionally built space. So it's safe and it's parkour interesting for people who have the vision for that. So, that, so now that's the setup for this. Now, my question is, what made you go, oh, I totally got to do that? It looked fun. Yeah, looked I really said it looked fun. fun, but I didn't go and do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, out of the fact that I'm old and slow, but you know, I don't qualify. <laughs> <laughs> the token, the token trauma patient. self <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, deprecating humor. <laughs> Uh, what made me want to go go and give it a try? I think what made you have to go and give have, it a try because lots of people go. want to do it, but you were one of the people on that was at the five the five team. Five Burrows, yeah, thing? yeah. They I think I think it was the opportunity. Say again. You bring five pack animals with you. On the- <laughs> <Boroughs>? Sorry, <laughs> five boroughs. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not even from the state of New York, so I'm allowed to make fun. Sorry. It's all what good, made it's you all good. What made you say I have to go and participate in that?
0: Um in general approaching competition with parkour as a bit of a filter there like i think uh it's an interesting space to apply parkour i think there's just a novelty to it it adds a little bit of something new to your training and the opportunity presented itself you know i think uh i kind of got wind that an event was being planned and i reached out to a few people and the event took place in october of 2020 so we're just like still pretty in i mean we're still in the pandemic but uh it was an opportunity to go to kind of the only parkour event right. that happened last year. Yeah, not much happened. Yeah, and um, you know it could have been a terrible experience. It could have been awful. I don't. You know, I didn't know going into it. I'd, I'd never worked with the guys who organize it, and uh, but they've run a few events in the UK, and from what I'd heard, they were they were good guys. So I tried it out, and it was a really really good experience. Just to to note. What you were talking about with the setup is, so the course that we play on, it's referred to as the quad, and it is this course that has a boundary. I, I won't say how big it is because I'm so bad with measurements and, and eyeballing, but it's fairly, fairly large. It's like two seconds by two seconds. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the original setup was actually built by um, the, I guess you'd say, the owners of World Chase Tag, Christian and Damien DeVoe. And uh, one of them have a kid on Team Fat, uh, a, a team in, in, based in London. Uh, and so the original quad was actually set up in their backyard. They built it. They, Mm. uh, they just played tag with their kids is the story they give is like, we just played tag and we set up some obstacles and we kept, kept adding stuff and more complicated. Yeah. And, uh, eventually I believe the first event was called the store chase off, which was supposed to be like, it had store playing in it and some other athletes as well. And then I think from there it became world chase tag and they added more and more elements to it. And yeah, it's, it's growing as a sport. And
1: what was in thinking of your experience, like on the ground, you know, when you're there, you like, oh, here we go. What surprised you most about it?
0: I don't know if it was a surprising part of the experience, but I, I think I have to give kudos to Damien and Christian, where uh, they were so focused and uh, it was definitely a priority for them that the athletes were taken care of mm. and provided anything they needed. It was like. <laughs> You know, part of it was like due to COVID. So it shot in Atlanta, which means a lot of us were traveling from around the country. And I mean, you hear the setup and you're like, this sounds really sketchy. Cause <laughs> it's the middle of a pandemic and you're going to have people from all over the, the US travel to this one place, a place that doesn't have many COVID restrictions and uh, tell them to try and run at and touch each other. <laughs> so you're on paper, you're like, this sounds... Like, the not best thing I am to do, all right? in. <laughs> yeah. So the uh, event that took place was, um, it was shot with NBC Sports.
1: Yeah. So it's quite like, a large production. We're not kidding around here. Yeah.
0: Uh, there was another sponsor as well, uh, I think, that helped make the production happen. But because they decided to go for it, during a pandemic it meant the the costs of the event went way up where every athlete we all had to get tested oh, before we left right. which was on us fortunately in new york testing is free and then once we arrived we stayed at a hotel and the hotel they chose was a very very nice hotel and they said the reason the reason they picked that hotel was because the hotel was able to offer catering and stuff that had like like single wrapped utensils and they were able to like make everything. So yeah. yeah, like it made it safer than other places. If they were trying to provide food, everyone had to quarantine for a day. So that's like an extra day for them to pay for a hotel for not only all the athletes, but like so much of the production team.
1: Yeah,
0: They had to pay for tests for everyone. They had to pay for medical staff. They had to do all these things. And, uh, you know, at that point, I'm sure they were both like, this is purely for the not purely for the experience, but I don't imagine they made much money from it, Um right. which I don't think was their goal uh,
1: at all. And it sounds more like they were just passionate about creating the thing because if yeah you have to go like go on YouTube and find this, you have to see this. It's just like what I mean.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I can only assume that they know or or they they feel that they they have something special yeah. that, that, I, that I would agree. That I think it's grow. pretty special. Yeah, Abs- absolutely. I think um so. Yeah before moving on to any more specifics, I guess like the experience overall was extremely positive. Uh, even from, I don't know, I've heard some nightmare stories from like Ninja Warrior about how the athletes are treated and told to wait around and, and whatever else, but like it was really whatever we needed. They
1: were like very athlete focused as opposed to like production final result focus. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. Um, I think they're aware that the, uh, you know, the
1: athletes are the thing. Exactly. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, mad props to Turok. It's a beautiful quad. And then there are people which make it neat. So, yeah. Um, in fact, if you want, you can go. I, I'm pretty sure Mark posted a bunch of, like, a couple of shots of some of the construction and, and how it went together. and Yeah, it's just, uh, I, I just think it's, like, I think I've said it about 12 times. Humans are awesome. Like, it's yeah. just neat to see uh, what people come up with. Yeah. I
0: have uh, to say, Mark is, like, a wizard for building the quad and he, all the, like the quad was amazing. But, uh, when it was time to break down parkour fashion, of course, all the athletes helped break down the set and, and loaded into a truck. And Mark had like the Tetris layout of all these big obstacles in his brain. And was just,
1: this goes here, like I said, yeah, organizing people, keeping
0: everyone safe, who is moving stuff around. And, uh, it's got to give Mark props for that. Cause, uh, it was an impressive breakdown. And then we all went to the, to the after party
1: after. Yeah. <laughs> Mark is in episode 30, I'm pretty sure. And we talk about a bunch of things. We don't talk about that World Chase Tag because that was before that. Um, but yeah, that was a good, a good conversation with him. Yeah, and you can totally see that. Well, his backstory is in the episode, but you can totally see, oh, I know where that comes from, like as part of his brain. Yeah. Uh, but it's super neat to see people who take a skill and a passion and just smash them together these don't go together but we're just gonna smash them together and make something out of it I'm not saying that Mark necessarily did that smash them together but but it's amazing what you know like you see people doing bouldering problems which is my current addiction is bouldering You know, I see we'll do stuff and we're just like, you know, it'd be much easier to just walk around the rock and walk up the other side of the (laughs) rock than to kill yourself on that V5 on the front. You know, but, oh, this is so much more fun. If I jam my knee in here, you know, (laughs) so it's just, but it's, it's that urge that I think everybody has. I mean, maybe some people think they don't have it and you probably need to go experiment because it's there. The urge that everybody has to explore. Mm. And earlier I was thinking I should ask you what is parkour?
0: Oh, man. You're going to put me on the spot like that. It's a um, horrible question. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's about moving from A to B as efficiently as possible and definitely nothing else. <laughs>
1: <laughs> do, we need, um, do we need to unpack that? I think we need to unpack the and definitely nothing else. So with as with everything, there are internet wars fought over the question I just asked Mike. Um, and it's, and uh, the reason I asked it, I actually have a reason to ask it. The reason I asked it is because it's the thing that everybody asks you, mm-hmm. and it's like the most annoying thing. And yeah. like second people ask me about rock climbing, ask me why did it- I'm just like, what's a stupid question? Um, it took me a long time to like, and maybe everybody else in the world is way ahead of me on this. It took me a long time to realize like people are asking me the question that makes my blood boil. From a place of genuine curiosity, which I should not respond to by punching them in the face because it's a stupid question. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just wondering when, I'm assuming people ask you this question, when you can ask that question, how, what do you do with it? Like, cause I mean, if you know what parkour is, you'll totally recognize Mike's A to B answer. And if you don't know what parkour is, now you've heard the A to B answer. And I'm just wondering, like in your in your mind and in your heart, what is it that happens and that you do when somebody asks you that question? But you can see it's from like, okay, they're a completely blank slate. They, yeah, they can spell parkour, and then that's park, the limit. Park hour? Park hour? Yes, that's my. <laughs> hey, at least they're thinking about parks. Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, I think uh,
0: I think there's a few different answers I give, and it depends on the situation I'm in. So, as a, a coaching company, we often have people. Curious about what our classes are like and uh, what type of practice they're getting into. You have people ask you on the street while you're practicing, What are you like, doing? What are you doing? <laughs> and then I guess because I am so close to the thing, I, I want to give, you know, if you, if you let me go here, I'll, <laughs> I'll go and go and go, right? But I think most of the time it is a, a genuine curiosity. I think the thing we do can look a little bit absurd uh, <laughs> to, little. The, to the normal <laughs> yeah. passerby, right? So, what is parkour? <sighs> man, I don't know if I want to go on the record for this Yeah, one. you can no, skirt no, around that. No, record. no, Yeah, I mean, I usually just say it's like, uh, I'm like, most of the time I'll say I'm just exercising or I'm working out or... That's a good low-hanging fruit because yeah, you are doing that. Yeah. And depends. I don't even know. There's so many answers I, I, I would give to someone. But generally, I'm just telling people, yeah, I work out. I'm, it's all about using movements your body's made to do. Mm-hmm. It's like running, jumping, climbing, swinging whatever else. And I think that gives, you know, I don't, I don't dive into the, uh, philosophical side of training. I think, I mean, along with the physical side, I think the philosophy of parkour has also probably evolved quite a little bit, uh, for most people who practice or it might be non-existent for some people who practice now. Well,
1: It's a journey, no pun intended. Like everybody's going to go through a journey. Like you can do that in jujitsu or martial arts. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you first you pick up something. In fact, there's probably somebody who has a doctoral dissertation, which has the 17-step program of how you're, you know, when you take a mastery practice up. So pick up anything that you can take to mastery level, plumbing, parkour, the literature, whatever, that you're going to go through these phases where it's the greatest thing ever and everybody needs to drop what they're doing and learn about you. (laughs) like, okay, that's one phase. And there's another phase where you're just like, you you know, you take it and you go become the recluse and you're just like, I'm going to Gurlev and nobody's going to see me for two years and I'm just going to jump on all the things. Um, So there's definitely those phases you go through. And for me, I don't get asked that question a lot. It it does, actually, ironically, the way I get asked that question is I go to events (laughs) and people will point me out and say, well, Craig probably knows me. I'm like, stop doing that. The, when that question comes up though i think what i struggle with is i have so much that i want to share not it's a to b or it's not a to b or it jumps or it's not jumps that's not what i mean i want to share like the 5000 awesome experiences that i have had yeah doing the vaguely parkour acrobatic pesmal free running thing right in all the places that i've done the thing with all the people that, and, and and my brain locks up like Running, jumping, climbing, playing. <laughs> like, right. Like, what can I say that would possibly convey enough about this thing that we all love so much, those of us who do it, that we love so much? And to me, that's always a struggle. And so lately, what I've been doing is the two-part. I, I, like, I like to whip out the challenge aspect of it because nobody who looks at me thinks I'm any kind of an athlete, right? So it's like, oh, yeah, I like the part where it's personal challenge using found spaces in your environment. And then, like with a quick breath, I try to sell them on the, you know, like when they walk away, like that guy is really excited about whatever it is. I don't know what. Like I try to, I try to just share the enthusiasm, mm. not ram the enthusiasm down their <laughs> throat, but just share it. Yeah, because I think that's how you ins, uh, maybe not inspire. That's how you uh, spark. You know, I got a candle and I light your candle. Like the way you share that mm. is by just being the, oh, I love it. You know, yeah. and people are like, I, I don't get it. And they, they go away. And other people are like, I don't get it, but I love it too. And I'm, I'm just wondering if, you've, if you find that that is how you have transitioned to, instead of actually trying to answer the question, you've transitioned to this, like trying to share the passion. Yeah, yeah. I
0: mean, I definitely have had people ask me, what are you doing? Right. And then in it's that like, tone. What
1: are you doing? Yeah. I'm climbing down, officer. Yes, that's <laughs> what I'm doing. Right.
0: <laughs> you know, I, I feel like sometimes, you know, obviously there's security in, in those people that ask, but I feel like a lot of the times the people who will who will stop and look and ask will be like older, older people, seniors walking by. They'll they'll look at it with this curiosity and be like, What are you doing? And uh, I'll give whatever whatever answer, and uh, they'll be like, why? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, my favorite answer is just, like, uh, for fun. Yeah, like, this that's is, a great answer. This is fun.
1: For a while, I tried... You know, well, you used to do parkour too. When did you stop? Yeah. Because everybody did. But then I realized that's too antagonistic because now I'm like, you lazy expert. You know, like it makes it sound like I'm judging them, yeah. but I really wasn't. I was saying you you this is in you. You know, the the prehensile tail that just isn't expressed. It's in your genes. Some people actually have a tail. I'm not making this up. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's in your genes, right? So that um people who've never done any brachiation, uh swing and arm stuff, yeah. You take them out somewhere like especially if it's a uh, woods. And, and just, like, have them use their hands, guess what? Everybody knows how to use their hands. For It's just like, boop, your, your brain, that's hooked in there. So I used to think that I could maybe, like, give them a glimpse of what was already within them mm-hmm. by saying, well, you used to do parkour. When, they're like, no, it doesn't work. It just turns, It's too. it comes across as too antagonistic. And so that's why I'm, yeah, I'm just going to try and share the passion.
0: Yeah, I think, I actually do like to mention to people while I'm talking about it. I was like, it's all just stuff like you're, you're built to do everything that yeah. we're doing, you know, at a, at a different level. And
1: uh, yeah, I don't recommend doing the lache that Mike did when you find that one on Instagram. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I, in my brain ran it in slow motion. and I had like 9,000, like, no, 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 I'm not. No, 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 There's no way I would ever do that. Not because it's inherently dangerous for me. <laughs> I would never be able to do that.
0: I mean, oh, for, uh, you know, a brand new person, you know, if someone was like, oh, teach me parkour. Show me something right now, you yeah. know. I wouldn't put them up on a bar and be like, go that's swing, tough, swing. right? Yeah, because and-
1: what, what caught their eye was, I mean, you know, I've had get down from there like you're balancing on a railing. This, this is that, right? And somebody's like, get down from there, you're going to hurt yourself. Isn't that dangerous? And then, okay, I get down. My favorite answer is, well, it wasn't dangerous, and so you distracted me. That's my favorite answer. Yeah. But so you come down, and then, oh, this is actually a person who's interested. So I'm having a conversation. And they say, show me something. And then my heart sinks because I'm like, well, the thing that caught your eye yeah. was you got a glimpse, not not that, you know, Craig or Mike or Mitt, but you caught a glimpse of something that you could do or be or explore. And now when you ask me that question, I'm like, okay, so we're going to go over here and we're going to pick on this four-inch curb. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, so Check out uh, this line <laughs> on the ground. <laughs> Let me see you touch your toes. Yeah. Right? You know what? Like, that can be a challenge. And, and like, that's, you know, I, I don't know. But maybe I my personal belief is, if everybody who is into the thing just ex- like exemplify it, so like ask—we're uh, we talking about Max before. Ask Max Henry to do some jumps. You're gonna you're gonna be like, wow, uh, I'm not doing those jumps, but wow, like you're gonna you're gonna see something about humans when you see a really good jumper jump or watch somebody do a triple jump. Let me try What? Yeah. You know, you're like, holy Toledo. My brain's like, tendons. You know. So if you just whatever your hobby is, if you just exemplify it and show the passion, don't even have to physically share it. Well, just show the passion. And this what made me think of this was this brings me back to World Chase Tag. When you watch these people do World Chase Tag, you're going to be like, oh, you're, you're going to like throw your keyboard down and like run out and and play chase, you know. And then you're going to be like, whoa, I can't touch my toes anymore. And... But maybe if they see the passion in a world chase tag competition or as you did in Jump London, if you don't know what Jump London is, type Jump Space London in YouTube, um, or if you see Seb do the Casino Royale run or you watch video from every – maybe that would be enough to ignite the passion for you to decide, I'm going to walk you know, to lunch from my office mm. or I'm going to go for a bike ride or a walk instead of you know watch whatever – uh, so that's my personal opinion is I've come around to like that. No, I'm just going to share the passion as much as I can. Um, it isn't a tremendous amount. I have a limited, you know, amount of energy. But uh, so I'm just wondering if like, do you like, it sounds like you've been kind of veering toward that way, but as a coach, you're still like directly tasked with deliver the thing. Um, and I'm just wondering if do you see yourself moving more and more toward like, Inspiring other coaches or moving more toward imagining ways of delivering the material or what? Do you, what's next beyond coaching?
0: There are a few things there.
1: I tend to do this. I just, would you like a sip from my fire yeah, hose? Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, going back, I think often what is eye catching. And if, you know, even if you're, if someone's like, Oh, show, like, show me something. Right. And you, you walk over, you ask them if they can do a squat, which may, they may or may not be able to do properly. And I wonder, it made, it made me wonder as you were saying it, if my first experience of parkour being something that was like 15 years ago, jump, jump written with, with Sebastian Foucault. like obviously everything they did in that documentary was amazing, today or even at the time especially. But I wonder if now someone being exposed to parkour, seeing Roof Culture Asia or Ed Scott, Doing these flip precisions to railings, Oh, my God, yes. Uh, That—that's <laughs> you know—that's something we we joked about. That's like that was a ha ha. Like yeah, you back, post on the back board, yeah. The let me day. see you do this. <laughs> you know, yeah, people um, do that.
1: Or uh, Max striding the tops of columns that are impossibly far yeah, apart. Yeah, even uh, even that type of movement. People on slack right? lines. I mean, there's just so much stuff. Yeah. Uh, so you take.
0: Max is a great example because he's got beautiful stride technique. And you can watch him stride across rails or columns or whatever. And I think because of the contact, like where he's doing it, it immediately becomes this thing where some people are like, that looks really cool. And sometimes people have also the reaction of like, but I could never do it. Yeah. But if they were to watch a triple jumper on a track, mm-hmm. the idea might be like, I could do that with a bunch of training. He's just had a bunch of practice and he's like an athlete. He's He's in sports. Whereas... You watch Max stride up high or on something extremely precise, you're like, oh, he's doing something like superhuman potentially. I think there's a, mm. because most people are so disconnected from movement as a whole, yeah. maybe they identify more with like an organized sport, but then you see people out on the street doing things. And I think the, the shift is like, that's a little bit more risky. I could never do that yeah. because of X, Y, and, and Z. Uh, And they don't see the process that Max had of literally striding on the floor, you know, like, or or any any athlete. Like, we all practice jumping on the floor before we go even, like, half a foot off the ground. Yeah,
1: Yeah, the the level, the elite level that, for example, Olympics, but there there are other, you know, elite uh, venues for performance and competition. But at that elite level, you're getting to the point where, yeah, um, standard... Ante for the game is all your passion, all your effort, all, 100%. That's, yeah. the, that's the ante. Mm-hmm. And then did you get the DNA draw? Did you get the coach? Then there's all this other stuff you, you really can't control that much. Then maybe you can get to that pre-Olympic level. And what I've always loved about Art du Placement and Parkour is... No, I I got off the sofa. I mean, not literally off the sofa. I got off the sofa when I was forty and just went. I don't know. I can. Oh, I can't even do a push up. You know, and and like I'm I'm not good, but all of my progress, so people in my age cohort go, oh my God, like people who are my age. And so when you see people like Max Henry, or I'm going to say even yourself, you're not anywhere near the top fraction of a percent of the Olympic competitors in terms of DNA and genes. It's like, no, you did everything that you could with what you were given. Mm -hmm. So you tend to find your own path. You find your own skill set. You find your own, I don't know, like, I mean, they're probably Olympic chase taggers at some point you know who would like run over the people who are currently winning but um i think people just the random people who see it they don't they miss out they're like no the the things you think are amazing and dangerous and spectacular they're actually more achievable for you than the triple jump at the olympics or you know the the world-class rock climber now i I do want to there's an asterisk on this like there are people in parkour and ADD movement spaces who are operating at that level. And they are up there at that level, but most people that you would see.
0: Yeah. So I think, I think the thing I try to, the thing I try to share the most when talking about parkour to non-parkour practitioners or people who are just getting into it is that the, like, like what you're doing exactly doesn't matter, right? It's kind of the mm, intention of, of your practice. Uh, and I think I've had this in my mind since I started, was like, it doesn't matter what you do, doesn't matter how far you jump or how big whatever your movement is, uh, but it's like the intention behind your practice. Okay. Uh, what, are you, what are you pushing yourself towards? I think, I think. I mean, obviously there, there's a container of that where you know, you're using only your body and the environment, but I think other than that, like you know, parkour is just a practice where you're trying to connect with your body by using your environment around you, uh, and I think that makes it highly accessible for, for anyone to do it as a sport, whether yeah. it be someone who's highly athletic, uh, someone who might be older and, and trying to start moving again, or in, in many other ways as well. You know, it's a sport that requires no equipment and no specific space. Yeah, it's a very
1: adjustable wrench that you can <laughs> apply to many different things. Um, that's one thing that's, that I really think makes it special is that. Um, I guess, you know, in the same sense that skateboarding or snowboarding, it's like, well, there. I mean, okay, you need a skateboard. Like, we we kind of agree, skateboarding uses a skateboard. But even that, how big is it? Which we, whatever you want. You know, what can you do with the skateboard that you picked? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's, I think it might have been Max Henry's definition of parkour was skateboarding without the skateboard. Oof. (laughs) I was like, well, Max looks like he's skateboarding without a skateboard. I do not look like a skateboarder. Uh, But anyway, if I asked all of your friends Mm. what, Is Mike's superpower? Mm. What would they tell me? Great question. (laughs) question. Sometimes I think it's too good because it's a little hard to answer, but it is a good question. Yeah, like do I
0: do I go realistic or like slightly self deprecating or?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Or you can do both. You can answer in two parts. Self deprecating answer would be. See my self-deprecating answers. Everybody who knows me is that like, Craig is really good at eating. That's like Craig's super...
0: <laughs> oh, honestly, if you if you ask the right person, uh, they might say that I'm constantly eating, constantly. <laughs> um, I've somehow got this nickname of of Fat Mike by a few, not like widespread, but uh, it started as a, a joke <laughs> he and says
1: into the microphone. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Go ahead.
0: <laughs> now it's widespread. Now everyone will will know. But. Uh, yeah, it's like a running joke with a few friends of mine that I'm I'm constantly eating and always like obsessed with, which is true. I do, I do like food and stuff. Uh,
1: but what are you eating? You're not eating Doritos. No, no. no, uh, no, no right. exactly. Oh, I left
0: my junk food life behind me. Exactly. Sometimes I indulge though, honestly. So
1: maybe it'd be better to say you're obsessed with what you eat and you love, you know, that's why you love it so much. Like this is really good, nourishing, tasty, yummy food. That's Oh, oh I wouldn't God. go that far. Oh, right. I, I was to wa- i was trying to walk you back from the self-deprecating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I won't, I won't say I.
0: <laughs> 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 I think overall, I'm pretty good uh, in terms of my diet and nutrition, but I—I I am a New Yorker, so I do—I do love hot dogs, pizza, bacon, egg, and cheese on a roll. I'm so oh, I, you know. I
1: came in through the Holland Tunnel, and as I'm driving through the tunnel, I said, "You know what? I really need to not." Like tick all the New York City boxes that I haven't been able to tick for two years, and I'm like, I a pretzel vendor, and I want a hot dog, and I want a piece of pizza, and yeah, I want to yeah. go to the Brooklyn, <laughs> to yeah. go to, uh, I want a Brooklyn blackout from uh, the donut plant. I was like, oh, <laughs> this is so bad. So it's all. Oh, food. Don't, donuts have been big for me lately. Yeah, that's yeah it's a, great. Yes. it's great stuff. Okay, so that's the self deprecating answer. Mike's superpower is eating. But if I ask them, okay, that's funny, but I want a serious answer, dear friends of Mike. What would they say? Your superpower is. Oh. Um, I
0: don't know, I haven't seen some friends in over a year, so I'm not sure. I...
1: <laughs> He's become invisible. Yeah.
0: No, I guess I guess uh I mean I'm gonna go yeah. I'm gonna say uh I, I try to be funny, like kinda goofy and keep things light. Not in like an unprofessional manner, but I try not to take things too seriously mm-hmm. or personally, uh in life. Uh yeah. Everyone's got their own their that's own, good, like I, I think about my my story, my the mm-hmm. movie that is my life, and how complex it is. And most people have something even more complex going on. Perspective, yes, yeah. amen. I believe the word is "sonder." It's like the feeling you get when you realize the extras in your life, the background people, have a life as complex as yours, and you're just another background person. Yes,
1: um, I'm, not, I'm not sure that's the right word, but I it's totally making my brain go. Yes, that word. Yeah, I think the way I read it was like. and I don't mean this like in a negative way but it might be that the whole purpose of Craig's life was to like flick on the lights in his living room at the moment that somebody was having a romantic moment across the way and it like just made the building look nicer like it'd be like one teeny tiny little moment Mm. where my life intersected with the other person and that, that idea of like if you're looking across the way and you see the light come on you know there's like a lot of life going on that led to that one light switch Yeah, yeah it's um perspective. Hmm. Mike's superpower is perspective. That's a, I'll, t- that's, I'll take that one. You said it, not me. <laughs> that's how it works. That's the advantage of asking the question, what would your friend say? Cause then you can kind of be a little, <laughs> well, they'd say I was faster than a speeding bullet. Cause you know, it doesn't sound like you think you're faster than a speeding bullet. Who's the first person that comes to mind when I say abject failure? No, just kidding. <laughs> Who's the first person that comes to mind when I say successful?
0: Jeff Bezos. No, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, Jesse Danger, uh, mm. my boss and longtime friend, uh, and I'll also go with uh, my friend Dylan Polin, who runs uh, the Hub Parkour Training Center mm-hmm. in Massachusetts. I gotta get up there.
1: I haven't interviewed Dylan yet. Oh, though. he, I,
0: I, I highly recommend. I think yeah, He's, I've to he's ready to talk. Yeah, to, I, I, yes, I I've talked to him. Yeah. A we,
1: yeah, me and Steve and some people were talking about doing a project, and like so It's like yeah, I need to go up there. I had a great conversation with, I don't remember the, uh, I want to say Jeremiah, Yeah, um, was down at an event on Governor Island, and I had some great conversations with those guys, and I'm just like, yeah, I have a list of like 150 people that <laughs> I need to go have conversations with. So yeah, I need to get there. But that's one that's within reasonable distance, easy for me to get to. Oh, sorry, I-, I asked you the, okay, so successful, oh, we did that. Are you? Uh, I, I don't like to ask. Are you introverted or extroverted? Or extroverted. What I mean is, do you recharge uh, by yourself, or do you recharge like you know, with other people? Or is recharge time for like a certain kind of training? Or like, what what do you do to to fill the tanks back up?
0: Yeah, um, probably a year ago, I'd say slightly more extroverted, and I enjoyed spending time with friends. But maybe maybe it's a symptom of uh, the pandemic. But mm-hmm. uh, more recently, I've been. I think enjoying being alone, maybe alone is not the best word alone or with my girlfriend or, or whoever. And just, uh, it's just some chill downtime, I guess. Uh, and also, uh, like my personal practice has become very clearly like something I need. Hmm. Uh, doesn't have to be like a hard session. doesn't have to be super intense or, or I film a bunch of Instagram clips, but, uh, yeah, the past year was a little tough with trying to refrain from going outside so much, not being able to go to a gym during the cold season, all yeah. this stuff. So my movement practice has been more inconsistent in the past year than it has been in quite some time. So I'm remembering, I guess, that uh, how important movement is to me. So more so than whether I'm with people or not with people, I think uh, moving, connecting to myself that way uh, is, is important.
1: Uh, yes, please. I would, yeah. I would definitely agree with that. The... The challenge is always like... Yes, I mean, sometimes the hammock calls. You know, you're like, oh, uh, you know, I'm just going to... You know, that's... And uh, some people talk about meditation. Sometimes those people are me. and talk about meditation. And sometimes people say, oh, when I meditate, I fall asleep. And I'm like, you have learned a very important lesson. You're sleep-deprived. Uh, yeah, <laughs> You yeah. know, like, if you fall asleep meditating, what you should be doing is napping. Yeah. Meditate later. Um, so I, I think anything... Maybe I should put an asterisk on there. Almost anything that you do that makes you become more reflective will pay dividends yeah. you know, in the near future. You'd be like, oh, I, I really am extroverted. I need more people. Okay, I need to get a Zoom call and, and hang out with friends or mm-hmm. something. Um, so I'm hoping, I don't want to say that good comes from the pandemic, but I'm hoping that people remember the experience when they have the freedoms that they didn't realize it was nice to have. Mm-hmm. Um so that like what would happen if everybody is just a little bit nicer on the roads or on the subways or just because they're like hey other human beings this kicks ass, you yeah, know? Yeah. Like that might be a really nice change um because there are parts, there are aspects of um especially in America where we can all be um yeah, cuts both ways. We're really good at getting stuff done. We're really good at being driven and um But that can also mean we, you know, turn signals. (laughs) I always say, forget world peace. Visualize using your turn signal. Yeah, yeah.
0: There's like that shopping cart
1: uh, experiment
0: where it's like, do you return the shopping cart or not? And like that apparently tells you everything you need to know about a
1: person. Not only do I return the shopping cart, I've been spotted scooping up other ones on the way. (laughs) I'm also the guy, because I'm fairly tall and have long arms, I'm also the guy who who grabs the, if I grab like a half and half, I grab like the two behind it and drag them to the front oh, in the refrigerator. Nice. <laughs> That's nice. That's good stuff right there. <laughs> That's good stuff. Because otherwise I get stopped. Like every woman who's shorter than me goes, could you grab? And I'm like I'm walking on the aisle grabbing things from the top of the shelf in the back. <laughs> uh, but I don't, you know, I don't mind. It's like, you know, it's with great... Responsibility. With great power comes great mental illness. No, great yes. responsibility. <laughs> Knew I could work that one in today. All right, I still need to pry a story out of you, and I'm I've, because I do so many of these, and I listen to a lot, and I, I hang out in groups of people who do podcasting and interviewing. Mm-hmm. I have like a million great questions, and I don't want to just rattle them all off because it's just like it's like a trained poodle look yeah, I can yeah. stand on my legs look at it so it's much more fun to like what's the right question to ask Mike yeah I don't know what was the biggest question in your mind when we emailed you and said hey you want to do a podcast
0: um the biggest question was w- what am I going to talk about
1: mm. how's that work out so far
0: <clears throat> uh great mm. I great. think super so. super yeah I, th- I thought about like what what experiences I may have had that I can offer uh interesting insight into so yeah i know like world chase tag was one and then from there kind of the world of competition in parkour and and then that had me thinking like what was 2020 like for parkour and how did it how did it change because we were very event driven or a very event driven community
1: but we didn't used to be i mean oh well before i started like it didn't used to be yeah Uh, absolutely very much an an organic you know three or four people jumping on stuff kind of thing
0: um, yeah, my first, uh, my first training session was Mark Turok used to be on the Urban Free Flow team. So he was, as far as I know back then, bouncing between London and the East Coast. Um, so my first jam where I learned about parkour, I'd done it in my neighborhood, and then we would found a website and all this stuff, whatever. We go to this uh, training session, a jam, and there were probably over 30 people there. And this is in like 2005, that's a lot. That's big. like late 2005. So it's like me and my brother got there because I needed a, a chaperone <laughs> to get on the subway. And uh, yeah, it was like, wow, this is a thing. Like yeah. this is a, a thing people do. Yeah. Um, so we hung out all day and I probably, yeah, that's like, even though it was quite a while ago, it's a very clear memory in my head, but the next jam I went to that was posted on the message board at the time was two people, and that was it. Mm. That's And then moving forward, that's what it was, most likely. It was me and maybe two other people, maybe five-ish if it was a weekend and people wanted to come out. and It was nice weather, but yeah, it was very small, and now or as time went on, uh, bigger events or bigger jams started happening. This idea of like the national jam in the US started happening where different cities would host these larger weekend gatherings. And uh, I think even back then, a big one would be considered like maybe 30-ish people. Mm -hmm. And now you have these events and camps.
1: Multi-hundred people. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Uh,
0: Very, very crazy. I think the, the largest one I've been to maybe, I don't know, so hard to tell because people kind of come in and out. I know Beast Coast has quite a large, or has quite, had, has had quite a large turnout, but more, more more recently, I'd say for the love of movement, hosted in Denhog, was such a crazy turnout because it's a camp, so like no one really needs to leave, and you have you know we got there one day early, and it was like oh there's some people here, and
1: yeah this is nice, yeah so there's like
0: the the main setup for for training, and then there was another scaffold setup purely for hammocks and, uh, <laughs> for the
1: we, hanging humans.
0: yeah, we set up ours and it was like, Oh, there's a few people. And then by the end of the next day, which is like the official first day, like any part where you could strap a hammock was Strapped. tiered three high, <laughs> at least like there was someone above you under you. People also just laid on the floor under you. So you had to like, be careful getting out of the hammock. Mm. And it was such a crazy experience to kind of be in a place for a weekend and you don't have to leave all the food is provided for you. You can get, like, there's a little store around the corner. You're surrounded by people who want to do the same thing as you. And, yeah, I mean, starting from my first jam and going to there, I wouldn't have imagined that's where parkour would go, mm-hmm. to these, like, weekend camps, these multi-hundred people events. Where, for, for the love of movement, there's no specific thing to go for. There's no workshop. There's no, like... I mean, there's high level athletes there I guess you can meet, but there's no coaching going on. There's no speaking or anything like that, like you might get at some other events. Everyone travels in literally just to train and that's it. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think some events in the U.S. have a similar thing. Uh, Up in Boston, there's uh, the Hub Jam, which they've pretty much had the same formula every year, is come and hang out this weekend and we're all gonna train. And it kind of kicks off the training season, Mm -hmm. late, late spring, early summer but it's there's nothing special to go there for. I mean, obviously parkour is special to everyone who goes there, but like, yeah, there's, there's, no, <laughs> there's
1: no big spreadsheet. Like You'll yeah. be here at two and be there at three. I, I think there's an ecosystem or a, a spread of types of events. And, and really on in there, in the mix, is like structured classes in a built space, like the, the classic parkour gym. I think that's a kind of gathering. And yeah, it happens on Tuesday at 7 o'clock and you show up with 17 friends or whatever. And all those different things, I think those are all necessary. So for a while, I used to think, no, oh, you should be training outside. And if you're in a built space, you know, like if it's so cold, your hands are numb, then run faster, you know, or like, or go inside, like, you know, yeah. quit with this, do your pushups indoors. Um, but now I'm, I'm thinking like, no, it really is, if we want whatever this movement practice is that we all love, if you want that to really be approachable by everybody, then you have to figure out what, oh, this person, they need to have a drill sergeant, you know, tell them to do the burpees and do the thing and then run here and then sprint there and then come back and do this and do QM and like, you know, they need that. They need mm-hmm. to learn one-on-one is go train with the Amok. Then there are people who are like, uh, yeah, okay, we're going to work on, you know, we're going to walk on this line and learn balance. So there's going to be different things that it's going to call to each person. And I just love, you know, just even in the United States, you look around and you're like, oh, there's, there's this jam over here. This one's been going for a million years. This one is, like, huge and organized and there's scheduled speakers and everything's scheduled to five minutes. And then this one over here is just like, yeah, hey, whatever, show up. Just, I love that because you can just, you can, if, you're, if you've got the cojones and you want to go push yourself, you can go to, oh, I don't want to go to that event because it scares the crap out of me. I'm going, you know, like, mm-hmm. I've done that kind of thing. Um, and boy, does that make you grow. Like, you're like, oh, yeah, well, what did I do? You know, but invariably, as long as you're reasonably smart about it, you're not going to get into serious trouble, you know? Yeah, yeah.
0: So, uh, that, that's uh, exactly the reason But that's I go. like the DNA. Is yeah, like The yeah. DNA is like, yeah,
1: we got everything. What do you want? You know, and like, who 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 are you? Then go where you're called. Mm-hmm. Go, go you know, where you feel you're called, not where they actually called you. It's like, Craig, get over here. Not that kind of call. Yeah, go yeah. where you feel compelled mm-hmm. to go.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, you see something like rendezvous, which is a good mix of, uh, structured lessons or workshops, whatever you might want to call it. And there's plenty of free time to train on your own, to m- meet more people. Right. And like, that's such a good balance. And then you have something like uh, Art of Motion or NAPC, which yeah. is the it's a competition. You're more likely going to go there if you are a high level athlete or you're, you're practicing specifically for competition. But even those events, you know, the event itself has no, I don't want to say it doesn't have a community aspect to it, but people are there to compete, not necessarily to train or to practice. They're there to compete. But on either side of the events, you have people showing up a few days yes. early. You have people staying like a week late because they know that for the weekend I'm in competition mode. And uh, you know, I've I got into competitions like NAPC and stuff, not because I'm hyper competitive. In fact, like ball sports growing up, like never called to me. Like the basic stuff. <laughs> The common, the common sports, but it added this novelty to my practice and I recognized I was uncomfortable in that space. So how well I do in the standings doesn't matter to me. That's not what I'm coming out of. If I win, wow. But
1: who didn't show up? Right? Yeah,
0: <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> but it's more so after the competition, I can reflect on like, how did I feel during yeah. this moment or that moment? You know, you, I've gone multiple years in a row and it's like, okay, well, the very first year I was like a bag of nerves and mm-hmm. totally bombed yes. and whatever. And then the successive years, it's like, all right, was I nervous still? What was I nervous about? Was I nervous about the challenges, the crowd, uh nervous about competing with athletes that I look up to? Mm. Was it one of those things? Was it all of those things? Was I physically in a spot where I felt confident or was my training really poor leading up to it? Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's my go-to for competitions. That's what drew me to those. And then, yeah, now you get to see a new place. You get to see people like once a year, you know, everyone's going to be there and you guys kind of get to take over this, yeah. this like little city or little wherever, playground or, that's exactly a Little air
1: quoting little playground. That's exactly designed for the thing that makes us all get excited. Yeah. Yes, please. Yeah. I think,
0: you know, you have the really structured competitions as well, like NAPC and, and art of motion. And then I think in 2019 or maybe a year before that, uh, there was an event called Hop the Block, which was like a street competition. Hmm. Which is literally like this whole crowd of people just took over this <laughs> spot on the street and were running speed courses right. through it. And, and they got
1: chased. They went to the next block, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> that's rough. If you got a bad draw, you might not get to make your run. I know, right? <laughs> so you get a zero. Yeah, because the cops chased us off the course. Oh, hey, there's an eye. That's a great. That's a great model for. <laughs>
0: Um, I won't. I won't name names, but I definitely knew people growing up where they would uh, they would hop on cars to get people to call the police on them, mm. and then they would try to ditch, try ditch to, the- to test themselves. <laughs> <laughs> um, not endorsing that in any way. Please don't do that. Please don't. That's do that. awful. But uh, yeah, it's an interesting practice. <laughs> interesting way to apply the practice. Hey,
1: well, I mean, there's something to be said for channeling. Um, you know, everybody. Maybe not everybody, but. The vast majority of people have, you know, you got to, you have to cut your teeth like when you're a certain age, like Mm -hmm. it's going to happen. So, you you know, channel it into running and jumping and playing. And we were talking about Max before. And so I haven't spent a ton of time with Max, but I spent a a bit of time with Max and he and I were in the playground. And we're, we're, you know, I'm on standing on rails. He's jumping on rails. And Max said, you know, these, the railings, railings are easier. Rails are easier to jump to. like, what are you wow. he's like well because when you jump at a wall the wall has that corner you know the, the where the top meets the side and you basically have to hit the corner just right or you slip off or if you're, or you're and he's like but the bar is round mm. so it's, and i'm like no max that's i'm sorry <laughs> like that does not make it I mean, yeah i kind of see what you're saying but no it does not make it easier so there's just something about you know it, it that whole thing and that called to max the run and jump called the max and they're like, well, if he hadn't found parkour, what would he have done? I don't know. Maybe he'd have done something much worse.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, sorry. Let me rephrase that. I'm not implying parkour was bad. <laughs> maybe he'd have done something bad, not worse. I think parkour is awesome. But if he hadn't been, if he hadn't found that, mm-hmm. uh, I think it was his brother who showed it to, or his friend showed him the first video. And like, if he hadn't had a place to channel that, what would he have done? Um, maybe it wouldn't, wouldn't have been harmful, but... I mean, Max is, like, pushing the envelope. And there, there are lots of people. It's just Max is top of mind at the moment. There are lots of people who push the envelope, not just in our sport, but push the envelope for human beings. Mm-hmm. Why? Oh, because they love it. Ask them to define parkour, they just run away and go do it. Like, yeah, stick, yeah. you know, no, I'm, I'm busy playing. Um, so I, I think, you know, the human race needs more of that. But And there are people who are trying to take that, um, you know, thinking of the uh, PK move in Virginia, you know, who are like, okay— how can we take this literally? Take it to the octogenarians, you yep. know, in the care facility, and, and they're doing it. And yeah, that or that work—the work of taking that to them—that's not for everybody, you know, but it's for some people, and it's awesome that that calls to some people to go do that. So I don't know. I think it's on one hand, the more it spreads and the bigger it gets, the less it's going to be our thing. Yeah. I, you know, I agree. It's going to become everybody's thing. Like, you know, I'm sure at some point when they invented, well, I know because I've read a book, when they invented bicycles, bicycling was like this thing. It was like a cliquish thing in England. Oh. And there were like people rode bicycles and they were like in clubs. And, you know, and now it's like, pfft, everybody's got a bike. You know, like, yeah. it's, now we have BMX bikes. So I, I think that as it spreads, part of what I have always kind of went, eh, yeah, but was that I, I kind of, yeah, the thing that I love and is so special to me okay, great, it's special to everybody, but then it's not special anymore, is it? If mm. we all love it. But when I zoom out a little bit and go, you no, know, everybody, like, this would be great if everybody fell in love with this Yeah. Uh, and moved more and played more. Um, there's just so many physiological reasons. Movement is awesome for you. Mental, psychological reasons for move, movement is awesome for you. Enough with the Craig ramble. Uh, I asked you before, is any other stories spring to mind that you want to share? N- no is a legitimate answer to the question, is there a story you'd like to share?
0: I mean, it would be totally like detached from whatever we're talking about, right? Is now. Is it a good story? Um, I don't know if it's good. Like, I wouldn't. I don't know if I have many good stories. I mean, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I'm, I think I would call myself a bad storyteller personally. <laughs> I so think not I,
1: your superpower, not my
0: superpower. I think. I think also I.
1: Uh, this, well, is gonna sound, this is going to sound
0: really bad, but I'm going to say I view. Myself, and this is uh, maybe a heavy-handed word, but like, there's like some insignificance I see to myself. Whereas, like, I'm like, oh, maybe that story is kind of funny, but I'm like, oh, it's only funny to me, and it doesn't really matter outside of my bubble. Uh, and it's like a, 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 Fair enough. this like, I battle with insignificance with like life and the whole human thing, you know, tiny dots on an endless timeline
1: type thing. Yes, 50,000 um, years from now, your story is irrelevant. So yeah. is my entire podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Sorry. I, think, I think my favorite stories, I'll say, I won't say the, they're good or the best, but I think my favorite stories from parkour are outside of training, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of my favorite memories with uh, Jesse who's one of my oldest friends in general, and then also probably one of my closest friends through, through parkour is we were, we were out training in Chinatown one day and pretty typical session. I think there were maybe three or four of us. And, um, since we were all teenagers and in no rush to go home after the, after any training stopped, we pretty much just goofed off around the city and, uh, we both had long commutes home. We both lived probably at least an hour outside of where we met up in Manhattan, uh, so one day we were hanging out, it was getting towards uh, like the evening and these two girls walk up to us and they're like, Hey, do you want any like chocolate chips? And we thought they meant like cookies and they are they are holding a box, uh-huh. like a larger, a larger box. And we we're like, what do you, what do you mean? No, we don't, we can't buy cookies from you. And they're like, no, no, it's chocolate chips. We, we baked cookies for something else, but we have all these extra chocolate chips and it's literally a cardboard box, not in a... I don't remember if they were in a bag. I think it may have just been chocolate <laughs> chips on cardboard.
1: Yeah, this is... Okay, I, I, I'm in. <laughs> Keep going. It's kind
0: of just a ridiculous story. Like, there's no crazy, crazy part to it, but we were like, uh, sure. So, How big
1: w- is this box? <sighs> shoe box. Um,
0: not a shoe box. No, Trunk like... Saw, like, like bet- maybe from, like, waist to shoulder,
1: high and like oh my god he's holding his arms out like you know i can barely hold my arms around yeah, this thing yeah. so we're talking like 10 gallons it wasn't full it okay. wasn't
0: full it was <laughs> maybe less than half
1: okay, halfway so five full gallons of chocolate chips in Something a cardboard like that, box yeah. loose so we're like peering
0: in and uh we're like sure so we like take a bit of a handful and we're we're eating and then there's that moment where we all have handfuls and we all like look at each other and uh, we just start pelting each other with these chocolate <laughs> chips. It turns, it breaks down into a complete like chocolate chip fight. Which, um, <laughs> if you know what a chocolate chip looks like, it's uh, they're pointy. Yeah. So uh, we're pretty much like whipping like buckshot at each other <laughs> in this playground. And uh, it quickly fizzled out. You know, we 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 did it, we did it until the girls ran away. They were like, "Take the chocolate chips," and they they <laughs> ran off. What have
1: we done? Right?
0: What have we done? And yeah, just in my mind it's just something so ridiculous and absurd and i can't imagine it like for that type of story i'm like this has to be a somewhat of a one of a kind story like a chocolate chip fight for free you know like on a whim
1: i've never heard of somebody bringing the 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 ammunition to their own like You know, like, you beat them up with their own chocolate chips. Like, that's okay. (laughs) What were you thinking? Hey, let's offer these to these guys. I would love to know the backstory of where they stole those chocolate chips from. Oh, that's actually
0: a good point. Where did they get the chocolate (laughs) chips? Oh, we were baking something. uh, Totally sure. Totally
1: sure, right? Five gallons of... But that's somewhere. There are two women who who tell a story of like, oh, my God. About the time we stole those chocolate chips, the local bakery had to stop baking muffins for two days.
0: Yeah, that might be, I think my only other maybe good story. And I'm going to not, I'm not going to name drop here too much, but I used to be. I could tell
1: you that I'll edit them out and then not.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I think, I think this would be a a story I use as like a, like a, how, how did I get here and parkour was the way I got there Mm. would be, I used to be on this team team in quotations, as most parkour people are always on a team of some kind or a we brand. Made, we made t-shirts. Yeah, yes. we made t-shirts. We're a team. <laughs> uh, the team was called Team Sanju, which was started by Andrew Obenredder from from Pittsburgh. Oh, my God.
1: I was going to go, I've heard of that team. And I'm yeah. thinking, what are the chances? But I, I've talked to Andrew a lot. I'm like, pfft. my brain was like, what? I've heard of that.
0: Great, great throwback team there. Uh, lots of good athletes on that team, actually. it's It was a quick, heavy hitter team for a while and... Big surprise. Didn't go anywhere. Very surprising in parkour. But on that team, we had planned a trip to Florida. And because a relative of Andrew had a large house for us to stay in for a week, and we were going to—we we, didn't—maybe we did one workshop somewhere, actually. I think that was one of the reasons we went down. We wanted to go down. We were like, all right, we can make some money back if we do a workshop in a couple gyms and that was it. We did one or two workshops, I think, and they were fine. (laughs) Um, Moving on. Moving on, yeah. So, But we were told that this relative is a member of a very well-known boy band, um, NSYNC. And we went down there, and we all got to the airport, and we were kind of... We were ready to call bullshit on it, basically. We were like, there's no way that we're going to stay in this person's house for a week. <laughs> <laughs> Another family member picked us up, and then we were like, so this other family member is just going to take us to their house and give us some story about mm-hmm. why we can't go to the actual place. Mm-hmm. And, but we rolled up to a gated community outside of Orlando, Florida, and uh, stayed in a mansion from, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, w- I won't say which member it was. But they had like the, uh, <laughs> if you're familiar with the music video for Bye Bye Bye, the marionette puppets were hanging in his kitchen. <laughs> it's a very surreal thing. Like it was a beautiful house and, uh, we actually didn't see the person cause we pretty much were told to camp out in his basement for, for the time and stay out of sight. Uh, which Can was fine. Do, yes. Can do. Can do. There was a, a housemate who I believe was like a producer. He had like a whole production studio in his house. I think that's what he mostly did cause he's not in NSYNC anymore. So we, we got to hang out with that dude for a little bit. And uh, it's it really cool. So there is a a very, very well-supplied bar. <laughs> Which we worked very
1: hard to unsupply.
0: <laughs> yes, I think we were... Maybe that wasn't such a good move. <laughs> uh, such a good move. But we, we did what we did. There's like a movie theater and stuff. It was like pretty ridiculous. W- one morning we woke up and there was like some sort of like photo shoot happening in the backyard with these like models, like swimsuit type stuff. And we're all these like... Grungy looking parkour <laughs> athletes like waking up honestly after <laughs> a heavy night of, uh, of of drinking. We had like a party one night and uh, we all woke up and definitely were not in <laughs> not in good shape. <laughs> but yeah, it was absurd that that type of experience came from me jumping at walls, and uh, it's like an absurd story to tell. And I don't know, it ended up being a good time. We we went over to Tampa and did a, did a couple workshops, made some. Good connections, met some people that I still talk with sometimes today. Mm. And, uh, and some of the people that I experienced that with, I have no idea where they are. And, but that, that memory connects us, I guess somehow.
1: Yeah. That's a great story. I think that's a great <laughs> story. That's, that's one of the better ones. <laughs> Terrific. Anything else jump to mind? Just want to make sure that you get a chance to. I don't think so.
0: I think, I think, uh, maybe not this year. I'll say, I think next year will be, uh, potentially a big year for parkour in terms of events. I think 2020 was going to be. I felt like there was a lot of momentum from a lot of different organizations in mm. terms of what they had planned. Um, maybe that's me thinking about what I had planned and, and it not being able to happen. But I think with the pandemic as well, parkour culture has had to develop in a different way, a way that was probably needed, where yes. you had, I think, I think 2019... Everyone was complaining about Instagram and how everyone uses it, and which is a totally fair thing. I think uh, people use it in whatever way they use it. Anyway, but...
1: <laughs> Normally, I end up on the social media soapbox, but I'm glad to see it was you. So keep going.
0: <laughs> I mean, hey, there's a, there's a game to play there. And yes. uh, more, more power to anyone who can, who can play the game well. And I think there are athletes who do it quite well and maintain... They don't sell out, I guess. A, I was going to say fidelity. They
1: can maintain the fidelity of their own training and their own personal identity. And I can also perform this dance on Instagram. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: And, uh, you know, others maybe took a different path, which I think also isn't terrible. Because I, I would say the same thing about anyone who works with like FICE or, or FIG or something like mm-hmm. that. Like... These are people that are trying to make it for themselves, you know, and they have to take the opportunities or they feel like they have to take the opportunities that are presented to them. Um, Yeah,
1: some philosopher said nobody, no one, no one does evil. No one actually believes mm. I am evil and I am going to do evil things. Yeah. Everybody believes that you're doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, people don't. Even when you say people are malicious, you know, they believe that they deserve whatever they were taking you know, from you. Yeah, like, you know, yeah, that's yeah. It. They don't think they're doing you. They think they are doing right. But that requires some compassion and yeah. understanding.
0: And some some people want to put themselves in a position where they maybe can steer yeah. the thing.
1: But did you finish your train of thought? You were saying no, yes, 2019, um, 2020, you're hoping for 2021?
0: Yeah, I think the past year, people have developed what kind of like art and content can come out of parkour. I mm. think because everyone's had so much time you, I feel like we're seeing this return to long-form videos.
1: We... Yeah. I had, like, you know, figured thinking, I took all 9,000 of the saccharine tiny little dose things, and I'm like, could somebody please give me a parkour movie? You know? Yeah. And, like, we, we've now had a chance to actually go, yeah, we need, like, culturally and in parkour space, we need more. We need, we need to get back um, to putting in the effort for some of those really deep things. There was another thread there that we were pulling on about... Oh, I was going to say, I think, I'm not sure about this, so this is a a theory. I think those of us who do and love this movement practice, we got a little complacent because, Mm. well, I can go to the parkour gym over here, or I can go to that parkour gym over there, or I can go to this event. If I want to get on a plane, I can go to that event. It was just like an embarrassment of riches for your opportunities to run and jump and play oh, you want to go do this gorilla crazy thing? This group will do that. You want to do this? Everything was available. And being like, all right, everybody get in your box for a year and you can do nothing and we're all like clawing at the walls. I, I'm hoping, I know for me it did, I'm hoping that it makes everybody come out of that box hopefully soon, depending. But when we come out of that box, we're going to be like, okay, I got nothing because everything's closed. Like That was my in the box mode. Mm-hmm. What do I want to put back into my life? And I think... You know, when you go to an event, you're going to be like, "Yes, oh, going." Yeah, yeah. Just, just G O I N G. I'm going. Yay. You know, like so. I think that will give us. A, I think. It's a, I think there's a bit of a. Well, I'm sure there's a bit of a cultural reset, but I'm hoping it sticks. That, yes. That, that we absolutely. remember the. I don't want to say the lesson because it wasn't like you know, COVID taught us a lesson, but like I'm hoping that we remember like, maybe people journaled while they were locked up. I'm always talking about journaling, but. I can look at my journal entries, which I'm reading from a year ago. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you, haha, if you only knew what was coming. Oh, yeah, <laughs> right, yeah, no. yeah. So I think it's to anything you can do that gets you some perspective. And mm-hmm. being locked in your house figuratively for a year will give you some perspective on how nice it is to walk around the block or, you know, to go to the grocery store. Um, so Yeah, I, I hope so. I think,
0: I don't know. I, I almost have a thought, almost.
1: It's tough to talk to microphones. Yeah, it's tough to talk to mics. Is this a personal I, did you notice attack? I said microphones? Yeah, right, yeah, was yeah. like, <laughs> We had this thing before we started, but like I'm talking to a mic. No, actually, I'm talking to two mics. The one in front of me and the one across. The one in front of me.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I hope that you know, once people are back out to training and going to events, that you know, we continue to get these kind of like big video projects, which are really ingrained in parkour culture. Yeah. I think the ones that came out in 2020, once people had time to be locked up inside and maybe they had more time to edit or, or do whatever was holding them back from finishing that project. But, you know, we just did a screening for these two films, Controlled Descent from Winston Yang and Charles Morales from Daryl Stingley. And those are both long form videos, but, uh, you know, it's not just a video of them Traveling somewhere and training. It's not even just like a showreel of them training. Like They both wanted to say something very specific, Mm. unrelated to parkour with these projects. And maybe 2020 gave them the space to do it. Uh, But I would love to see more projects like that where there's more being said than like, look how hard I've been training recently or... Whatever else. Yeah, the famous
1: jump cut, the yeah. famous cut, su- the famous super cut. Oh, uh, please. Um, and then, I you know, past. I, I, was- <laughs>
0: <laughs> I see uh, like more artists kind of crossing over. There are a lot of obviously film and photography are huge mm. for us, and you have people now. Mm, maybe brave enough is the term to use to to say, like, I'm selling prints, you know, if anyone wants any of my parkour photography. There are parkour mm-hmm. calendars. There are parkour podcasts popping up more and more. And seeing all these avenues open up for people and people given the space to to say, like, well, I'm home anyway. I can try it out. And <laughs> worst case, like... Worst case, it's not real life right now anyway, right? Like, yes. like we're, we're all kind of doing our thing. So I think if if we can maintain that part while returning to the... I want to go jump on everything and meet everyone and travel all over, over the place mentality as we return to a, a more normal setup. I think it will be cool. I think it would be really good. And, uh, you know, like the roaring 20s, the roaring 2020s.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that's as good a place as any to wrap up. So I will just say, and of course, the final question, three words to describe your practice. I listened to a few episodes. I knew this was coming. <laughs> Everybody does, but it actually doesn't help. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's not meant to be like a skewer, your question. It's just meant to be a whole opportunity for you to have the last say.
0: (laughs) Well, I did some reflecting. And I I, I guess three words I would use uh, would be like train to connect. And that would be Mm -hmm. to yourself, your environment, people around you, whatever it is. Um, You know, it can be all of those things or or one of those things. I think that's, yeah, I think that's... One of the most beautiful parts of, of parkour is, uh, you know, for me specifically, it's, it's been a huge social thing for me, uh, did not have many friends growing up. So starting training parkour was, I had to connect to people if I wanted to learn, because that was the only way to learn back then was to, to talk with people. So yeah, connecting to others, learning more about yourself, obviously. And, uh, yeah, connecting to your environment, I think is huge.
1: Terrific. Mike, it was a super pleasure to get a chance to sit down and have a nice long form conversation with you. And oh, did the weather cooperate? I know, the weather yeah, cooperate? Yeah. This is awesome. So I hope you have a terrific rest of your day and I look forward to getting a chance to train with you this year. Yes, please.
0: Thank you very much. Also, this was such a, it's my first time doing something like this. It was a really cool experience.
1: You're very welcome, but straight up my pleasure every time. So. Cool. All right. Thanks, Mike. Thank you.